Hello and welcome to the Raptor Show on Sportsnet. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. Joining me for today's episode is a very special guest. We have Sarah Chan, manager of African scouting for the Toronto Raptors and a longtime coach at Giants of Africa. Sarah, I just want to say thank you for your patience today. Technology has not been our friend this morning, but I appreciate you taking the time to join us. No, thank you for having me. And absolutely understandable. Um, okay, well, I wanted to start here, maybe just for the audience a little bit. So, can you walk us through, um, you know, your involvement with uh, Giants of Africa over the years? Because I think uh, for a lot of fans of this program, especially in Toronto, we know of the program. We've um, seen Masai speak about it. We've seen the interviews, but I want to get your perspective as someone who is, you know, literally right there in all the all the camps and all the huddles. Uh, what's what's your involvement with GOA over the years, and how has it grown? Um, GOA. <laughs> GOA is our heart. Um, it's, uh, it started in Nigeria and, um, spread across Africa. Um, and now we just celebrated the 20th year anniversary with Giants of Africa, but throughout the years, it's grown in different ways. It's expanded into the girls camps, um, uh, into refugee camps, uh, refugee uh, areas <laughs> it's it's taken us to incredibly amazing places like Somalia um, work with the uh, Elman Peace Foundation they have an incredible program uh, for the girls um, Samburu girls uh, it's been to Madjugri in uh, Nigeria uh, to just mention a few but to watch it grow from just a boys camp to expanding into girls camps, but also uh, going into the infrastructure building across the continent of Africa, where the Giants of Africa committed to uh, build a hundred courts through the initiative built within and currently at 28 off a hundred courts from 2021 to now, it's such a phenomenal wow. journey. Um, but above all, I'll say Giants of Africa is a family. Um, this coaches, this incredible, vibrant youth um, to watch also this young people come through the different camps and uh, to see the impact of what Giants of Africa has been um, to their lives, but also just how much more they impact all of us as coaches, as, uh, you know, just different um personnels within Giants of Africa. It is, um, words cannot explain it, but it is such a joy. Uh, it is, it's so, it's, it's life-changing. I'll say you come to the camps without knowing what to expect sometimes. Um, you just come wanting to teach and wanting to learn from these kids because you really do learn so much from this incredible youth and you leave and every camp is so special and you think, oh my God, we have just had such an incredible camp. And then the next one happens to be even better in its own unique ways. So I'll say to watch Giants of Africa grow from, you know, the different dynamics to where it is now, it is, it's, it's, it's something that I cannot cap in words. It's one of those 
for example, the festival that just happened in August in Kigali, Rwanda, where 16 countries from the continent of Africa um, converged in Kigali for one incredible week of basketball, music, culture, and everything else that we got to experience, you leave and I say this to people that you had to be there to experience it. My words cannot sum it all up. So it's been such an impactful uh, journey um, and personally just the growth uh, even with me working with the likes of Tamara and you know uh, everybody else that's on our team, um, the Patricks and uh, Eric, it's it's such a family, um, and it's it's wonderful to be a part of this journey. Right. So, can you walk me through perhaps the start of it? Um, you know, uh, how did you get involved, and how did you get hired um, through GOA? I hear it involves Masai Ujiri. Yes. Um, so, two thousand. What was it? Time keeps flying, but I remember almost getting done with my master's. I had two weeks to go, and I had time on my hand and I volunteered to a basketball camp. I had no idea it was a Giants of Africa basketball camp, but I volunteered to the camp and ended up enjoying myself for the next three days of just seeing such an organized, well put together um, camp. The youth are vibrant and ready to learn. The coaches were so on beat and you could tell that passion was just pouring in and there was so much love. There was so much um, support all around. Um, and so went in as a volunteer and after three days I got a phone call and my mindset was basically learn as much as I can because we had incredible um, NBA coaches, but also uh we had Coach Joe, the director of NBA Academy. Um, so I was in his station and I learned so much from him. Uh, got a call from Masai um, after the camp. And at the moment, I didn't know exactly who Masai was. Oh, okay. But I remember seeing him walk around the court, I think a couple of times. And then I was really surprised by the phone call. And he said that he had watched me um, the whole week that we were there and he saw the passion and that aligned with what he believed um, the core of Giants of Africa um, is and that's the rest of his history. Wow, that's that's really quite the story. And I think that, uh, um, you know, Masai definitely has an eye for talent. That's uh, sort of been his calling um, ever since he's been in basketball and, and, and been on this journey for, I guess, 30 years now. Um, so that, that, that has to feel very good on your end as well. From your work so far with GOA, working, you know, um, pretty much every summer since then as well. I'm not sure how COVID disrupted things. I'm sure that was difficult for everybody involved. Um, but what, what's been the most rewarding thing for, for you working at these camps personally? What's the biggest lesson that, you know, you hope to, uh, to impart on, on the campers that you have every year? I'll say this. We see ourselves in them, and every camp has different level of skill, but 
other than just basketball, I think the most impactful thing is the stories and the resilience of these kids coming into the camps. Um, the journey sometimes from where the kid starts until where they are at camp in itself before the camp starts, but to see the kids improve within the camp setting, but also beyond the camp setting, some of the opportunities that they get, and it's endless opportunities that come through basketball. I think I'd say that to see lives being changed on a daily basis because of basketball, and like uh, the co-founder Godwin always says, this orange ball has taken me places, right? So that basketball giving opportunities to this young people that are eager and are willing to learn and are just consistently growing. But the most rewarding is they do that and not just for themselves when they get these opportunities that they come back and they impact their communities and their families. And that makes the world a better place. That I think for me is the most rewarding um, thing about being a part of this incredible movement um, called Giants of Africa. That's really beautiful. And I think it uh, reminds me of, I watched, um, you know, the, the film that came out, the documentary that came out uh, okay. with Giants of Africa. I think that was made by, uh, I forget who it was, Hubert Davis maybe, but um, it was a few years ago now. And I remember seeing it at a, a Toronto International Film Festival. And the documentary just really struck me with how, you know, deeply um, human the connections were uh, of, of all the people involved in this program from Maasai down to, you know, you guys coaching and all the, you know, volunteers and everything like that. It just felt like there was such a strong connection towards uh, and such a strong passion towards sort of changing um, the mindsets yeah. and changing the conditions uh, you know, and teaching them these these life lessons. I remember Masai sort of leading them through this these chants, uh, talking about mm -hmm. you know the pride that you must have uh, from being from mm -hmm. Africa and being you know the pride that you must have for for the place and where you're from and respecting women. And uh, I, I just thought it was just such an amazing project that you guys have you know been doing over the years. And so I, I'm sure it has to be so good for your soul as well to to essentially go over oh, t time after time. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. And I think Masai says it but like better when he says, sometimes it feels selfish that we feel this great because of just that connection and it's forever. Mm -hmm. It's forever family, uh, Giants of Africa family. Um, I'll give you a, a couple of stories from this festival great. itself. Um, got to bond with um, two or three girls from one from South Sudan, one from Tanzania, the other one was from Kenya. And beautiful stories, stories of overcoming. And these kids are just so blessed and so intelligent. Um, the one in Tanzania was thinking about how she could actually do something like Giants of Africa. That is her dream, to one day have an organization like Giants of Africa. So Giants of Africa is inspiring these kids, but that she was so restless and we we shed tears and hugged for so long because I know the heart that she's she has for her community, but also, you know, the 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 being in that gray area that you sometimes doubt yourself, mm -hmm. but you know that you can do it, but you're still at that crossroad 
the transition from where do I start? And that's where the coaching, the mentorship, and um, the incredible organization helps these kids in that regard. The other girl from Kenya is just such a brilliant, tough young girl. Um, she had struggled with suicidal uh, thoughts and for the longest had uh, some behavioral issues, but she had turned it around and this kid was 15 at the camp, turned it around because of listening to um, her elders and also listening to just advice and came out there with the, I wanna do better and I wanna help everybody else. And she was the youngest. Mm -hmm. Everybody else also do better different um, youth from all over the continent. And the South Sudanese girl, I mean, <laughs> you know, to just give you a brief, uh, the South Sudanese girl is right now getting a scholarship. Wow. And it's because of the exposure that they also get from being at a Giants of Africa camp that gives them the platform to be able to exhibit their um, skills and different people see them. And so they write and call. And that's one of the joys that you get after the camp, like a month in um, or a month, three months. And you hear, oh, so coach, I know I didn't tell you, but I got a scholarship to this and that place. And it's, it's, it's inspirational, not just for them, but everybody else around them. Mm -hmm. Right. The, hearing some of these kids say thank you for the support or thank you for the guidance and one two three coach so-and-so inspired me or just seeing how the coaches are interacting or how the administrative part of goa or even the content team just how the whole uh, giants of africa community operates and genuinely embraces each other and works with each other the interpersonal skills this the youth see it and it also helps them change that mindset and they take this back to where they came from 16 countries from the continent of africa these kids made connections and when we were done with the camp and the whole festival they didn't want to leave and that's how we always gauge how good camps were mm. when no one really wants to leave the court because they still want to just sever that moment a, a little bit longer. So those human connections that we get, I'd say, is the number one thing that, you know, um, that is so close to our hearts, but also the imparting the basketball skills and then the life skills and just being a good human being. Right. Um, oh, yeah. That's that's really what it comes down to. And I think that, um, you know, uh, yeah, following from afar, um, you know, seeing the festival, the, the festivities around GOA and the 20th anniversary. I mean, first off, the fact that it's already 20 is, is just amazing. It's, you know, I remember reading the stories about Masai and when he first started the program and, you know, he was back, I think, working in Denver at the time and sort of just like the sacrifices he made um, along the way. I think there's this famous story he tells where he was negotiating for his first job as GM um, that was in Denver. Mm -hmm. And he told the the owner, he was like, well, if you don't give me, I'll walk away from this job. If you don't give me 50K 
um, towards this program that I'm that I've been already working on for a few years. And mm-hmm. I think the, the billionaire owners were really like, you are really going to walk away if we don't do this. And he said, yeah. And I think that that kind of shows his commitment towards, you know, this program and the fact that it's been 20 years, I think it's just very amazing. Um, yeah, as you, as you mentioned, at the, at the festival this year, you guys had 16 countries represented to come out. And, um, you know, I, I think um, there's so many differences when you bring people from that many countries together in one place. Um, but I wanted to, to, to hear from you in terms of that connectivity that people are able to, to sort of make with each other when you put people from different walks of life together and they can see sort of, um, the more, the things that I guess unite us more than the, I guess the things that sort of make us different, maybe in our minds. So I'll start with just the leadership from Masai's position, right? Um, Masai Godwin the co-founders of Giants of Africa and how they relate to everybody else. And that trickles down to everything else that happens Mm -hmm. because it's a sisterhood. It's a brotherhood. It's a movement that says, Hey, we all belong. I call Giants of Africa utopian home because this is what we want the world to be like for the kids to come to the camp and they forget about the borders within their countries, between their countries, and to dance and chant and sing. And one of the most incredible thing is we usually have uh, the chants, like we have every team come up with a chant that's original, that means something to them and perform it in front of the rest of the camp. Mm -hmm. And over the years, we have gone to different countries on the continent and sometimes you know, young people will shy away from wanting to take the center stage. But to just let you know how impactful and how genuinely everybody was connecting is that during this time and all of these kids that are in their lines, every time a team got up, if Team Kenya got up and came to the middle to perform, all the rest of the kids forgot about their camp lines and they jumped in and they tried to sing with them. And it, it was, it was a bit chaotic at some point, sure. but yeah. <laughs> very enjoyable to see all those 250 campers come together and forget where they came from and transcend language barriers and everything else to just say, Hey, we're here. Cause we're one. We're here because we want to learn. We're here because of what love looks like. And this is what love looks like. And so they all kept dancing and chanting. And it was incredible. And also the level of the scale was high up here. So it really made it that much more enjoyable to watch these kids, but to also interact with like the rest of the different, you know, uh, groups that usually from staff that usually end up coming, maybe like one phase of like maybe the Western part. Mm -hmm. And then a different team comes from like, uh, comes for the uh, second part, maybe like the Southern or the Eastern or Northern part of Africa, but to have everybody together at the BK arena in Kigali, just enjoying basketball, but just also enjoying being around one another after such a pandemic that hit the world and shut everything down, that we could actually just enjoy sports, enjoy the human connection and genuinely connect 
and have lifetime connection is something that we honestly we don't take for granted Mm -hmm. and grateful grateful for the opportunity to see these kids do that but also for all of us to get to do it with them as well that that sounds really amazing and i think one of the one of the really cool stories i think with this year in particular was um having precious achua of the raptors come through to the camp to the festival to take in the sights and I think the, the the story, the backstory here for the listeners who might not know, but Precious was actually part of Giants of Africa, you know, growing up. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not sure what exact opportunities that provided him directly towards getting into the league. But just to see him come back and, and give an example to all the kids of like, you know, not to say that he made it because there's lots of people who have made it out of Giants of Africa and, and gotten lots of opportunities. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about an NBA player who's on the Raptors on right. the team that Messiah, you know, manages and to come back and to have him speak to the campers and be involved in the court unveiling. Uh, can you just speak to the sort of, you know, how that experience was seeing, seeing precious there and sort of how he was around the the group. Um, precious was phenomenal. He interacted with the kids. He danced with the kids. Mm. Um, I remember, <laughs> I remember being asked, did you guys do any basketball because everything just seems like <laughs> everyone was just dancing all the time. <laughs> sure, it's yeah. Just joy. It's just the joy of, wow, we're here. And sometimes you don't have the words to express, and a dance expresses it, right? And a dance communicates it. Mm-hmm. And so he was dancing with the kids. He truly came as a young leader that has been there, and he connected with this athletes at every point that he had a chance to. Right. And he was there the whole week. So it was just really neat to watch that, the humility, but also the professionalism that he actually carried himself with, the kindness that he showed and just the outpour of love into these kids and the advices that he shared with these kids and he shared his journey um, with them. It was very inspirational to watch the faces of this young people see themselves where they could actually go, but to also see someone that has worked hard, somebody that's remained humble, somebody that's handling everything with the excellence that it needs, but somebody that's here to uplift and somebody that was them at some point right. through the same camp. So it was just a brilliant um, week, but also just the, input from precious and how he carried himself um i'm very sure that this kids will never forget it that's one of the more amazing things too is you know being able to bring in these like you know real life examples of what's possible through sports and, and obviously this is the most direct example right you you, you make it to the nba mm-hmm. and you continue to play basketball but you know i remember you know being at the goa gala last uh last autumn i think and i think you were there and you mm-hmm. spoke and you know there's lots of opportunities to come out of this right i mean there's opportunities to to, to work in basketball there's opportunity to get school through mm-hmm. basketball and and that's something that i always talks about sort of that the power of sport and and what it can do um outside of just like the 12 15 guys on the team or the girls on the team like it's there's careers and lives that can be changed and i think you know you're you're a great example of that Right. And I, I want to pivot towards you a little bit later, but I, I wanted to talk about a little bit about Messiah as well, because, you know, I, I want to hear from you, like, 
his his level of involvement, his level of sort of passion and dedication towards this project. I mean, the fact that it's already been 20 years is, is a true testament of that. But from you mm-hmm. seeing him work up close, seeing him sort of how involved is he in, in, the, in these camps as well? And just can you just speak to sort of his passion for this project? Yeah, Masai is uh, committed 100 um, percent and his sacrifice so much for Giants of Africa. I know he doesn't like people <laughs> blowing trumpet for him, but he really is truly passionate about the issues of Africa. And he leads by example to do what needs to be done. It's about action. We can speak and speak, but until we do, there's nothing that's going to take place. So he has led in that way. Um, and his his put his money where his mouth is. Um, he has, you should see him around the kids, really. And when I say um, you had to be there to experience this fully, that you really had to be. One of the one of my favorite moments that I remember, especially from this festival, and I mean, there's been incredible um, moments along the way. Um, but was when during the Youth Day, International Youth Day, after the speeches and, you know, everybody was winding down, the kids were still lingering around the court and music went on and everybody started dancing. And of course, Masai comes and joins the kids. They're all dancing together um, and chanting. And then the DJ decides to put the music off. And so <laughs> the kids and Masai start chanting, DJ, we want a party. It was like incredible <laughs> African music and everyone was jamming. But just to show you true leadership and commitment, but also humility to go beyond the job description right. to say, hey, we're in it together. And where I am, you can do better than me. And he's always told his kids that, right? But gen- like genuinely doing everything and everything pouring from the heart. He's showed them by example from being a family man, right? Mm-hmm. From being a career-oriented human being, but also being people-focused. And that's one incredible example of just how truly he's invested in this, but also just the passion and compassion that come along with this and just the humanity, right? Yeah. To, you know, meet these kids at their level. It is such such a beautiful thing to watch and so much respect for that. So I wanted to ask your connection to Masai. Um, you already mentioned earlier that, you know, you were volunteering at the camp. Uh, and you know, Masai saw you working around the kids and hired you to work with GOA. How, uh, how did the, the the hiring, you know, with the Raptors, that, that connection, uh, how did that come about with Masai? Yeah, so we started directing camps um, throughout different countries and also uh, scouting for basically the camps because we had to get the best 50 athletes in each country that we went to. Right. So you had to do due diligence. And this is... Um, from the age of 14 to 18 and 14 if they're exceptional. Um, but doing that for a period of a couple of years and then seeing the quality of the kids that were coming to our camps and also just the opportunities that they got beyond the camp um, is what led into um, starting to uh, scout 
for the Raptors. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so actually take me through that process. Like, so w what does that look like? How, how do you, how do you go into a country like Nigeria where there's like, I don't know, a hundred million people and, uh, decide <laughs> who the 15 best athletes are. That's that, that sounds impossible, but please walk us through that process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, this is where networking comes in and we are connected to different coaches, um, around the continent. And we organize different camps. And one thing that I'll say, giant one one of the most like one of the things that I am so proud about Giants of Africa is the fact that we do start planning really early. So if the camp is next year, we start to think about the logistics, we start to think about everything that needs to go into place before the actual camp. So we pay attention to preparation and so this is where the different regions different coaches different camps that the pre-camp selection takes place for instance how we did it with the festival we went into different countries each and each and every one of those countries that we got the athletes from we went and actually handpicked this athletes and that's how committed we are to scouting for Giants of Africa to have the best of the best talent. If we are going to look for a Giants of Africa, then we have to look for them in every corner of the continent. And that's where your interpersonal skills come in, um, your connection with different coaches, organizing different pre-camp selections before you actually narrow it down to um, the main 50. And it's not an easy task. Yeah, no, I, I, I can imagine. Africa left. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, I've, I've heard Masai say this before, and I was reading some of your interviews, and I think you said it before, but, you know, the idea of, like, there is so much talent just walking around, um, you know, I heard him him mention, for example, you know, there are, there are more MBs out there, there are more Pascals out there. And that's not to say that, like, you know, anybody can just walk in and be Pascal Siakam or Joel Embiid. Obviously, that takes a tremendous amount of work and, and, and effort and training and coaching and uh, to, to get to those points. But I think his point was that kind of talent exists on the continent. So I, I'm mm -hmm. not I'm not familiar with that at all. So I, I'd love to hear your perspective, especially as, as a scout. Like, it, what kind of talent um, is out there that's still kind of untapped uh, coming out of Africa right now? Africa has an infinite pool of talents. Um, I'll give you an example of one of these programs that is uh, in Uganda. Okay. Um, it's called Holy Skill Academy. And one of the kids, uh, Kaman, Kaman Maluch, is from that academy. This kid is seven foot, um, very skilled. Okay. But he came from that um, camp. I mean, that program and how he was actually scouted was one of the basketballers that was just walking to his practice. So this tall kid that was on the streets, or I don't know if he was on a boulder, uh, on a bike. Mm -hmm. We use that as a mode of transportation sure. um, out here as well. So he actually asked him if he wanted to come to the court. And that's how he ended up coming to where he actually practices and the other coaches also saw him and fast forward he went to the academy the nba academy in senegal um he just played with the south sudan national team 
that has qualified for the Olympics That's 2024 right. in Paris. Yes, congrats, and now congrats. the same program, <laughs> thank you, <laughs> and the same program has a different kid now, a seven, that I just saw them working out with. So the different coaches in different programs also do help with that, uh, with that um, scouting process, mm-hmm. right? And that's where the making, um, connecting or networking and just making solid, genuine friendships do help you because... They hold tournaments throughout the year. The kids are having um, tournaments within schools. They're having it within their programs and just all around. So you get to see these kids here. You see them here. You also see them play against each other. And they also play against different countries. So you see different top talent from different countries play against each other. And so that helps a lot and it makes it that much easier. I would ask you like... uh what what is so what's the raptors approach uh towards scouting right now in africa and and how do, would you say that compares in terms of like the resources or even the time and effort that uh, other teams around the nba uh, commit towards this i think raptors has done an incredible job with having scouts on the continent okay it was the first team if i'm not wrong to have in fact right now we have um Three, is it three? We have three scouts on the continent, right? And it's different parts of the continent too. So strategically, from the Eastern part, there's also from the Western part, this one from Nigeria, this one from Cameroon. Mm -hmm. Um, And just working through those networks makes it that much easier, but also accessibility-wise. Because if you think about the visa and interstate travels as well, you you know you run into some problems sometimes but for instance with the ball and the ball being basketball african league mm-hmm. being such an elite platform to also see different players exhibit their uh, talents it happens in this past three seasons from inception it's happened in three countries it's happened in egypt in senegal it's happened in kigali and the finals always take place in kigali and so to have this different strategically placed scouts um, on the continent that are working together and the different tournaments that are taking places and the different networks that we already have in our different regions come together, I think that is such a visionary thing because the first, the during the, the launch of Basketball African League, I remember we had five of our scouts. Well, Patrick, uh, the director of global scouting international affairs was also around for the initial uh, launch of basketball African league and to have the Raptors have five scouts while half of the teams in the NBA were represented, but most of the teams had one scout. Right. That to me, I think is visionary, and I think that's doing an incredible job. You know, just changing the subject a little bit in terms of the scouting. Um, so we, especially in the NBA level, we see, and I think this is the same thing in WNBA as well. But we see a lot of like West Africans in particular. Um, you know, Nigeria is having a moment. You know, they've they've got Giannis at the top of that. Uh, Cameroon's having a moment with Pascal and Joel. Uh, I want to ask you, like, what what is where is the next hotspot of talent going to be on the continent? I'm not being biased, but okay. South Sudan with 
born giants and that's number one talent, right? <laughs> you teach the rest, but sure. South Sudan is a hub. Um, yeah, no, South Sudan is, is here. Well, we, we definitely saw, you know, that at the World Cup this past year, obviously South Sudan, um, you know, qualifying uh, for the Olympics in 2024. The stories around that team uh, were really amazing and, and, and uh, big congratulations to Luol Deng and everything that he's done to, mm-hmm. for the program. But when you when you say born giants, can you can you explain a little bit more in terms of like, I, I understand, for example, I read your bio, you're, you're six foot three, six foot four. Um, is, is that just like the norm? Or are you just walking around seeing everyone eye to eye? <laughs> Uh, I am an average woman where I come from. Wow. That is, yeah. So we basically come from the land of giants. Um, truly when you walk around, uh, there are 15 year olds that tower me. Okay. Uh, example, example, Abuna, I met her in 2018 and this girl was 15 or I don't, I don't remember how old she was, but she was six, seven. And growing and just such a tough kid so you'll walk around and just find giants walking around mm-hmm. well, not necessarily seven foot but you will always find a six eight uh boy or girl you they just everywhere I, this is why like you know I, I think especially years down the line i mean we're already seeing this trend happen but um there's gonna be as the infrastructure improves as the scouting networks improve uh, hopefully the Raptors are ahead of the curve uh, as we're clearly seeing here, but like there's just going to be more and more talent sort of discovered. And, uh, you know, I, I, like as a Raptor fan, selfishly, and uh, I hope that <laughs> I hope we get, we them, I hope we get them all, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. No, the Raptors are doing an incredible job, incredible job of investing and searching for that talent on the continent. So I'll say we are ahead of the curve. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, uh, humbly, humbly, I say. Well, <laughs> listen, I uh, maybe I'll just say it for you guys then, because you know, you you do see <laughs> like these amazing stories, like like for example, I mentioned earlier with Precious coming back to the camp. Like it's like, you know, yeah. Precious Achua. Like, uh, you right. know, I think there is so much potential in him. Pascal Siakam, you sort of seeing sort of his moment right now in the NBA and how. He continues to drive to get even better. And Christian Coloco, who I think is, you know, um, right. obviously coming in as a second rounder, you don't get that many minutes right away, but he, he started a quite a number of games for the Raptors. And from all my interactions with Christian, he seems really humble. He's very hardworking. And I can tell that there's a focus there to, to become really, really great as well. Um, so I think once that development takes place, it's just going to be more and more. And um, yeah, I, I guess I, I just wanted to say like, you know, it, it's been really great to hear this perspective about scouting and what, about what you do uh, and also that, how that even connects to GOA, even though I understand, of course, the, the whole process of GOA is not to like find the next person to play for the Raptors necessarily. Um, but even just to hear all the work that you guys are doing as an organization um, for all the opportunities that come through sport besides just playing for the NBA, which is, you know, if we're going to be honest, it's a handful of people, uh, but all the other opportunities that opens up, it's a, uh, it's it's a it's it's a wonderful project and it's wonderful to to hear your experiences uh with the raptors Sarah, I, if there's anything i could leave you on in terms of just like is there anything else you wanted to, to to mention or to highlight in terms of the work that you guys are doing or maybe some initiatives that people can sort of contribute towards uh i think people will be all yours yeah no um it is such an incredible uh platform for this young 
athletes, deserving athletes, um, to get to the potential, really. And so in whichever way you can donate to Giants of Africa, in whichever way you can plant a seed kindly, all social medias, we have our uh, website, reach out, uh, invest, you will impact somebody's life. That's for sure. Um, there's so much talent. These kids are brilliant. Some of them just need a chance, a fighting chance. And it can come in different forms. And whichever way that you are able to um, contribute, it is much appreciated. Yeah, that's 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 a great way to uh, to wrap up. But uh, Sarah Chan, uh, appreciate you know you and your time, your patience uh, with getting this call set up, and you know thank you for you know for joining us and sharing your perspective, and also for what you've uh, what you've been doing over the years. Thank you. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me, and thank you for the uh, platform to share. It's been wonderful. Of course. Thank you so much. Okay. Uh, that does it for the podcast. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. The next one will be from Media Day, where we'll be speaking to, well, not not on the podcast directly, but we'll have Masai Ujiri at the, at the podium, and, and we'll talk a lot of Raptors basketball there as well. But, uh, you know, thanks everyone for listening, and enjoy your weekend, everyone. <laughs>